Okay, and welcome to another episode of Red Thread Podcast. I'm your host, the Royal We, Randy. And on this episode, I was actually asked to come on Strange Neighborhood Podcast. This is a new up-and-comer in the podcast game. Uh, go show her some love over at Strange Neighborhood Podcast. You'll find it on all uh, podcast players, namely Apple. And um, man, what an amazing conversation. We jumped into so many topics. Um, man, Flat Earth you know, inner earth, um, and just kind of wherever imagination goes from there, you name it. If you're into conspiracy theories, if you're into alternate themes of existence, this is definitely one of the episodes for you. So I appreciate you all out there and enjoy. So, um, yeah, this is Ron Randy. He's a fellow truther and researcher and actually i'm not really sure what else but i'll just let him introduce himself and <laughs> right tell us about what he's doing and what right he's on doing. i i so appreciate you having me on um my name is randy random randy from red thread podcast um i'm relatively new uh to the podcasting i don't know game um been doing it about three going on four months or so so um it's pretty amazing just to meet folks like yourself and and everybody that I've met so far along the way has, has just been mind blowing. Like I got into this cause I was like, well, I, I really want to have these conversations no, come to like, find that that's, that's how it is. I have yeah. a son also, he's 11. Um, he's gotten really awesome about, you know, giving me the, the moments that I do need to podcast. Like he's not sitting here watching TV right now. Cause it, it just eats my bandwidth. <laughs> you know, yeah. and the last time he was watching TV, um, the guest was cutting out like nonstop through like a good half of the episode. So that was pretty lame, but we got that sorted out. So, um, yeah, so so I'm Randy um, and uh, I got into this. Uh, I guess we'll we'll kind of start with some of the weird and wonderful things that have happened to me. Um Perfect. Or, or more like for me, um, right now that I've learned to think about it a little bit. Um, but like the first thing was, um, when I, when I stopped using drugs and, and alcohol and things like this, I pretty much started meditating like as just an alternative for something to do where I wasn't doing self-destructive things. So that worked out for and still has you know up to this day which is which is amazing um but in in learning to sit and be calm and 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 kind of like will myself into a different state of mind i inadvertently picked up meditation as i guess you could say like a modality and um it wasn't until last year where some of the insights that i had meditating kind of were shown back to me by the world. So that was like a real mind blowing experience. And um, I'll just in a nutshell, that one real quick. For sure. So have, have you ever listened to Joe Rogan's podcast? Uh, he'll have somebody like, for example, the particular person he had on was Bob Bigelow of Bigelow Aerospace, who's like really heavy into advanced research in spacecraft and he, I think, is the current owner of Skinwalker Ranch. So, so this guy's got his hands in every a lot of weird things, right? He owns and Skinwalker Ranch. I he does, or he did at one point. Oh, I'm yeah. not sure if he does anymore, but huh. but yeah, he owned you know the deed to that, and 
So this is a, a real heavy hitter in the esoteric kind of game, as well as he's also very similar to like Howard Hughes, and he's got his hands in a lot of aerospace and engineering stuff also. So mm -hmm. he makes like habitats for, say, we were to land on the moon or on another planet. He makes uh, his company builds those habitats where where we would basically live. Huh. Um, what that means for, you know, the flat earth people out there and stuff like that. We'll get into that in a little bit, but mm -hmm. so I was listening to Joe Rogan and, and Bob Bigelow have a talk. And part of what he said was, well, there's a new theory coming about, um, the way things are, you know, so it's, it's going to flip the big bang theory on its head. And at the time I was like, okay, he must be talking about electric universe theory. Um, and I do highly recommend anybody to look into this aspect of our realm. Um, it's pretty interesting. Um, basically that just states that, you know, the sun isn't a flaming ball of hydrogen thousands and thousands of miles away. It's a plasma effect very locally. Right. And we're part mm -hmm. of this whole electric circuit. So I thought that's where he was going with it until um, he states that, well, Joe Rogan asked him, so can you paraphrase it for me? You know, can you put it in a nutshell? And he said, well, uh, reality is, is bubbles on bubbles on bubbles. So like that blew my mind because a couple of years prior in a meditative state, I basically asked, you know, the universe or um, Akasha or whatever you want to call this consciousness mm -hmm. that exists everywhere. Mm -hmm. I asked, you know, what is the nature of this place? Like, where are we? And the visual that I got in my mind's eye was that of a soap bubble kind of like breaking in slow motion. You know how it like rolls back. If you ever see a bubble pop in slow motion, it has this weird kind of mm -hmm. webbed, webbed like way that it just kind of peels back. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. So like the matter as we know it in the universe is just this little layer, like this little soap bubble. And, and apparently, um, this other theory has been called the multiverse theory, um, and other things. So that blew my mind. And right then I was like, well, I know there's something to this, this meditating thing. So I started to take it a lot more seriously and, and started to really explore what was this state of mind that I went into when I received this insight. And, um, so I, I, again, I started taking meditation more seriously. Um, it's not like it's something that I have like a room set off to the side for. Some people have a very specific kind of crazy setup for their meditations and their sound healing. I'm looking to get more into sound healing because I think it's, it's a very a powerful thing. Um, singing bowls, bells and things mm -hmm. like this. Um, <clears throat> So having that experience and my mind just blown like that, I mean, like I had to walk out of work and just laugh to myself for about 20 minutes because it was that, you know, that profound for me. Um, and it, in explaining it, it loses some of its kind of, uh, it loses magic. kind of the, yeah, the magic It yeah. is kind of hard to relate or translate to, to somebody else, but that's my best effort at it right there. It's so crazy, I did like... that. And, <laughs> and uh, since then I've heard very, very many different aspects and outlooks on this bubble thing. I've heard it called the bathtub theory. 
um, mm -hmm. and uh, and the multiverse theory and so on. So whereas a few years ago, I would not have known anybody who paid any mind to this theory. Mm -hmm. Now I'm, I'm finding that nearly every other time I bring it up with uh, a guest or with somebody that they also have a bubble story. Um, one of which was I was speaking with, um, uh, oh gosh, I, I'm drawing a blank on, on her name right now. Um, but shout out to a wandering witch podcast over there. Um, she um, was explaining to me about a reading that she had done and how this bubble situation came, came to play, you know, came into play for this reading that she did for somebody. Apparently somebody was having this recurring dream that they were a bubble and that their sons and daughters were other bubbles in this different type of universe since then, I've come to maybe realize that the bubbles themselves are, I don't know, spheres of time. Okay, so there may be something to this spherical thing going on around us, right? <laughs> so there, it, but it may be a different point of view than we're used to comprehending, being outside of time. Um, so that was the first thing that that just blew my mind and kind of opened the door for me to take meditation more seriously and mindfulness. And and to pay attention to to the um, we'll call it like the quiet, meek voice in my head. You know, we all have mm -hmm. this this daily struggle, at least as far as I know, <laughs> we mm -hmm. all have this daily struggle with this resistance that's within ourselves. You know, this you can't do that, Randy, or, you know, um, that's just silly. What makes you think you could achieve that? Blah, blah, blah. Like we all kind of have this to some degree. Mm -hmm. So through yeah. meditation, I was able to kind of quiet that down a lot. And at first it was mm -hmm. mostly focusing on just quieting down that negative resistance. Mm -hmm. And eventually it got to a point where that negative resistance is few and far between, which is a blessing. It's absolutely wonderful to be able to breathe without anxiety and things like this. Mm -hmm. Since I've done the, the shadow work and, you know, talked about my past and done all this amazing like self-help work through my podcast and through reaching out to people um, to where now, like, well, very recently, probably a month prior to my podcast starting, I was hanging out with a friend out in a field here in the middle of Iowa. And it was a beautiful starry night with no moon. And we're out there and so I kind of set this, this intention, and this is after I started taking meditation more seriously. I mm -hmm. started looking into the consciousness aspect of like contactee visits or contact mm -hmm. visits and, you know, C-SETI and C-5. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go out and I'm going to have this experience for myself. I'm going to go out and, and communicate with these entities right in the sky and and make this contact that i'm hearing so much about you know watching gaia and listening to folks like um steven greer right yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. so so, so i was like, like i was C like you know five? yeah that c said yeah. your ce5 yeah. experience yeah. thing so i went out and i tried it right i'm like mm -hmm. but i had this this like stone cold intention like dude i'm gonna go out and do this like i just mm -hmm. i had to i think that i had to know that Mm -hmm. uh, in engaging in it, uh, for it to actually be functional to like but, set your intention. 
Right. Like knowing like in my heart that I was going to have this experience. Mm -hmm. And if it was just me out in the field, you know, that would be one thing. But there was somebody with me who does not pay any credence or any mind to like meditation, Mm -hmm. um, maybe a little bit of spirituality, but definitely not like aliens and and other things like this. (laughs) Just a normal country girl, right? That that lives out in the middle of Iowa and and has a farm. And so I was out there and, you know, uh, I play these tones, these frequencies on my phone and there are some out there that are like, well, you know, if you're playing something on your phone, maybe you just called a satellite in and it's Project Bluebeam and and blah, blah, blah. And while that may very well be, that wouldn't explain how I was able to point in any one direction or look in one direction and have a response from lights in the sky from that direction specifically. So that's kind of crazy. So and, you know, it wouldn't just be looking straight up. It could be like over off of the horizon. I mean, like in any direction, it was reminiscent of like Babe Ruth, you know, pointing out where his home run is going to be hit. Um, so I had that experience this last summer and like the feeling that I got from from this interaction. And I dare say that it is an interaction. Mm-hmm. I'm not 100 percent sure, like how that works, if it's. If it's we are we are psychic and we are powerful in ways we don't understand and we we can project um, simple things, especially like lights in the sky. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if it's that or if it's like most would suggest a contact experience with an outside consciousness. Um, But like through this experience, I just I've lost all doubt in my mind. that well, I lost all doubt that I was onto something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it kind of cemented in my life in a very real way, especially because there was somebody else with me in this field and saw this happen and mm-hmm. was just as mind blown as I was, um, if not more, because she's like, yeah, well, we're going to go look at the stars and see aliens, right? You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and then we did. We went out and saw lights in the sky and the way that these things move, they weren't moving in straight lines. They would blink on, blink off, um, change colors. I mean, it was wild. Um, Yeah, I've got to tell you two quick things because I have two like parallel stories. So one, (laughs) I did a meditation where I asked about the nature of reality. And what I was shown was like a geometric flower of life, but in a toroidal pattern, like recycling in on itself and like everything was connected in the geometry and then Mm -hmm. secondly one night I was like standing on my back deck and I was like if I'm on the right path like asking the universe you need to show me something right now or I'm not gonna pursue this anymore because it was Mm -hmm. driving me a bit crazy just like going down rabbit holes (laughs) right and then this huge blue orb like shot across the sky and i like for a second, I thought that's not what I seen. And right when I thought that it like got super bright for a second, right before it went out of sight. Wow. Yeah. It's really crazy that you just told those two stories. I love that. I love that. And um, yeah, as far as the, the flower of life thing, um, I, I very much do feel that, that we are alive within this bigger consciousness that is like the world as we know it, and that it is ever unfolding. 
and and that's where like the layers uh, kind of come from and mm-hmm. and i think that the bubble aspect essentially is just time um so you know it's uh it's a weird thing to think about like if you were like able to step outside of time. of time do you mean and then we could be outside the bubble and then we're not in time is that like right like outside of the bubble is is you know timeless. what's known in lord of the rings as as the timeless halls right mm-hmm. so um or or you know some might also know it as as heaven but it's a timeless um dimension. yeah you could call it like a fifth dimension um mm-hmm. Like we're in 3D, so we're within that fourth dimension of time. And if you were to go outside of that, you would be in the 5D. And mm-hmm. um, that supposedly is where where entities and things like these Pleiadians are coming from, is outside and, and within the fifth dimension. Um, so I don't know if you've ever looked into like um, references to star seeds and different things like this. I find that yeah. incredibly interesting. Um, especially just kind of based on, on the fact that there are so many people that are sharing currently that they're receiving information from essentially an external source, receiving answers mm-hmm. to a lot of these questions and mm-hmm. things like this. Um, so that's, that's very interesting, but I, I feel like, like the bubble itself, um, is time and that like within each of these bubbles in this like multiverse in this plethora of universes like if you were to go into that bubble you would be subject to the time uh as it's transpiring within that right hmm. so cool. so um but like seeing and and understanding like the the flower of life nature i think that's amazing because it it's only through kind of computing post uh, hallucinogenic experience mm-hmm. um, relatively recently, I would say, like in the last few years that that I've come to understand that the the nature of of reality outside of ourselves is very fractal and so kind fractal. of like kind of like ultimately just everlasting and ever present, right? So that's why like, in most religions or faiths, like when you move on from this world, you're in this timeless heaven, right? In this timeless place. And it's like outside of a lot of 3D concepts like fear and um, anger and all these very low vibrational. I've come to look at them a little bit more like these are 3D, very 3D things that we deal with in this realm. But that's what makes it so special mm-hmm. is you're able to come in here and and it's like like a soul crucible, you know, it's an obstacle course for not just your mind and your body, but your soul. And um, so I feel like personally, I've done a lot of a lot of soul maturing in, in this realm. And that wasn't always the case. It, it took until my mind was blown majorly by these couple of experiences that I've detailed here um, that things really started to, to roll along and ramp up like super crazy fast. So this was just a few months ago. I had this lights in the sky experience. And um, up till that point, I was researching mud flood, Tartaria and um, Antiquitech. I mean, all kinds of especially looking deeply into like the small towns in the Midwest, going all around this last summer, seeing all these city centers, looking at pictures of these towns in the early uh, turn of the 1900s. 
and and seeing this kind of very strange cookie cutter nature where all of these towns popped up within the same maybe 10 to 20 years of each other and i mean some of these towns were were built out like at the turn of the century like mm-hmm. just and 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 at a certain point you start looking at the volume of masonry used is is the big kind of confusing thing and I was talking to old scary world about this and he's like, yeah, you mean like the, the brick paradox? Like if they got all of these bricks, where did they get the bricks to make the kilns to make the bricks, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and things like this. So there are people out there that have dug into this and researched it hard enough to look at things like the quantities of bricks being produced in, in the world for a certain period of time. How did that amount of bricks go into star forts for one all of these small towns all across the nation for two and the world right so Mm -hmm. so uh and this is all supposedly within this um like 1790 to 1860 Mm -hmm. time frame but all of this stuff just sprang up with people and horse and buggies doing it all and then there are some places like the state houses in most states are very old worldy with mm-hmm. with domes especially here in des moines iowa um first time i saw that building i was just my mouth was agape i was just like floored it's a massive building with gold dome structures um it still has these antennas that look like crosses at the very top of these mm-hmm. domes and these this sphere this gold sphere sitting in the top which i think uh personally at some point in the past, there was technology within this structure yeah. um, and within all of these structures. Um, <clears throat> I'm starting to ask the question, all right, with all of these electrical type components built into all of this infrastructure, what was it? What is it that the gods are computing? You know, um, when we look at, at our microchips, they have very much a similar layout to the city plans of old world cities um things like this so it's like Mm -hmm. what what were they computing that they that they needed all of this circuitry circuitry right and and i think short answer uh, may very well be they're computing a reality um you know we have there's stories in like all across the world of of things like black mirrors being a thing in the Mm -hmm. past you know scrying mirrors maybe these weren't just reflective sheets of silver right maybe there Mm -hmm. was some technology like a cell phone back that we're not privy to the information for so how would all of that work how would that network and everything function um i think that this was for lack of a better like phrase atlantean technology Mm -hmm. that was built into into the land itself and they were they were communicating through this just as okay <laughs> but so they were computing um computing or communicating information i think this is how the information was being transmitted all around the world like they weren't necessarily getting up and going over here to show these people how to do these amazing building things and um, to share technology, I think it was it was the original World Wide Web 
was built into all of these structures and things, right? Mm-hmm. And and instead of looking at like aliens dropping technology for us, look at it like the the older civilizations already had everything, but they had it in a much more massive scale, right? Mm-hmm. And this is why the the big push to kind of um, denounce giants from ever having existed, even though technically to this day we still have some sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot to that. And, um, but looking into the mud flood, man, you want to talk about a rabbit hole, like it, it's mind blowing, just like what that could entail. At first, it was kind of scary to think and because my mind went to one place. What did they do to make this mud flood happen? You mm-hmm. know, thinking that maybe it was purposefully caused by a group of people. Um, I I still think that that may be the case, but I think that there's a lot more to what exactly happened. And um, people are just kind of starting to get onto it, possibly being, um, and and this kind of leads into what, what maybe are the great lakes um, Mm -hmm. as well as rivers and, and things and, and the grand Canyon, especially the Marianas Trench um, in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. What are all these things? How did these things happen? If uh, geology, we are the way it's explained to us is not accurate, which I don't think it is. I don't think plate Mm -hmm. tectonics is, is exactly what's going on. I think that there's something major that happened, most likely an electrical event. Um, I don't know how that, event transpired like if they were pulling so much energy from the sun that they perturbed it somehow and and short-circuited something and um i feel like this main source that would have been drawing this energy down would have been somewhere near where the grand canyon is today um this is where even larger temple and mining structures then were then we see in say Egypt today, like you have the pyramids mm-hmm. there. I think there was something major, absolutely monumentally massive right where the Grand Canyon is today. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that this was a focal point, one of the focal points, the other being where Atlantis would have been in the Atlantic ocean, where we now have the Marianas trench, this massive gouge, the scar in the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, that if you look at satellite imagery, you see a very similar patterning to um, say if you did wood burning with electricity. Yeah. Okay? You see the same exact patterning. I forget exactly what the scientific name for it is, mm-hmm. but um, you see the same thing with rivers, with um, especially the great lakes and all around them, you see these little, little pocket lakes. And we're told that the ice kind of, as it was moving, dragged things and gouged out the ground mm-hmm. that, that, you know, that makes sense. And it may very well could have happened. Um, but the thing that we're, that we're not like taking into account is okay. If, if the big bang theory is garbage and, and I'm, you know, we may have come from a, a cosmic egg that exploded so, you know, many, many epochs ago, but I, I don't think that we have it right with the timeframes or, or anything else. Like 
I, I think it's closer to us having not us, but this realm having existed infinitely like long loops of time, but um, yeah. all that aside. So the great lakes, the rivers, especially places like the grand Canyon, just scream electrical discharge damage to me. Um, and uh, so I think that that would, that would make, essentially that would make the sun a giant uh, electrical laser beam. Right. <laughs> so, so perhaps the sun actually did this damage to some extent, which is why like people are inherently frightened of solar flares. And, um, you know, I, I also think that comets, um, while they are visible in the sky are a different effect from an electrical kind of nature. Oh yeah. Um, I don't think it's a rock flying at us through space most of the time. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so yeah, electrical scarification is, is what I think the Grand Canyon is the Marianas trench, which is right where Atlantis used to be. So if you have these power centers, you know what I mean? A kind mm -hmm. of existing um, through throughout the world. Maybe there was even one in, in Egypt along the Nile. Mm -hmm. And um, and maybe some of the, the Nile tributaries and things like this are electrical scars. Um, because a lot of information kind of states that back in like as recently as the 1600s, the water level was different around the world that most cities resembled something like Venice, Italy, and had channels throughout. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that that's accurate because this, this water in these cisterns under these buildings, if these buildings were of a, like of an electrical nature, you would need that water to kind of keep the electricity in. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of people think that, Oh, you know, electricity flows through water. That is true to a certain extent, but if you have a pure enough water and it's it's at the right, and we'll call it vibration, um, then it would act as a container for this electricity. So um, it would allow these circuits to be effective, these these world circuits. <laughs> So and, like, uh, um, sorry, can I just interrupt? No, you're good, yeah. Um, so Michelle Gibson says that like um, all the rivers and stuff on the planet are were essentially canals to begin with built by possibly possibly giants but i can't remember what her conclusion is but do you think that that was like the original circuit board and then it like shorted out to make all this like scarification sort of thing essentially yeah but i i do think like some rivers even to this day big rivers like the hudson river mm -hmm. um, in new york looks especially kind of suspect especially when you see some of the embankments having very regular shapes, like very mm -hmm. angular, right. That, that may mm -hmm. not happen so much uh, in nature. Naturally. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and that brings into play like these star forts or star cities, mm -hmm. but oftentimes we're straddling these massive, massive rivers. Um, yes. I do think that, that most places in the past would have been, been very similar to, venice italy and had um they may have had trains running in and out like on carrying things over ground mm -hmm. but a majority of traffic would have been on the water to a certain mm -hmm. extent 
Um, and that would have been like most probably major, major cities. Like, you know, you see, you see Chicago today, it's right on the great lakes. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, you see, um, places along the Mississippi river Valley that, uh, on one side, you'll have one town on the other side, you'll have another town of the river. Um, but in the past, maybe these were actually like one big city. Um, mm-hmm. and that's not even getting into like the steampunk era that I think happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, relatively recently or any of that. Um, but there was definitely a civilization here that was wiped out by this. I don't know if it's by this electrical event or by the, the ensuing, you know, mud flood, because if you vaporize all of this earth and you know what I mean, and then it gets airborne mm-hmm. and then it rains, well, then you have mud flood, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, so that that makes the most sense to me to look at it like that. Some people think that the pole shift happened and being that our, our you know, our universe is a circuit, right? Mm-hmm. If a pole shift were to happen, it would most likely discharge an electrical arc like we see suggested with, you know, everything I've just mentioned. So, mm-hmm. um I think that the Dust Bowl is a big kind of cover up for something else that was going on. Uh, like, um, like all of these dust storms came because that was newly, newly fallen earth from the sky. Right. Like, so, yeah. um, so there was no plants to have grown over a lot of this yet. Although there's some evidence to suggest that there are really old trees and things mm-hmm. growing in a lot of America that we're growing on top of even an even more previous civilizations ruins. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I think that ultimately we're, we're just stacked on layers of, of old and older and older still civilizations that have been here before. And um, I totally agree with that. Yeah. So, sure. and I think that that's what our, I mean, and that's what everything is, our mountains, our valleys, um, you know, the entire Central California Valley uh, at one point was a waterway because mm-hmm. California was essentially an island, right? Um, there's maps to attest to this. Um, there's legends, you know, uh, legends of like Queen Califia and the Amazon women of this island of California. Mm-hmm. So so that's pretty amazing in itself. Yeah. And when California was an island, the Great Lakes weren't there. So did they and did they there's no suggestion to like cover a city or there's something? no suggestion that, that the Grand Canyon was there either, uh previous yeah. to Lewis and Clark's expedition. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I I and there's even pictures that I've found but have had a hard time finding again where it almost looks like the this this picture of Chicago. Mm-hmm. looks like at least where the lake now meets the shoreline right at Chicago mm-hmm. there was no lake there there was no water there so what happened like you know what is this photo about and it, it's it's hard you know if it's just one or two photos like I only ever right. found one that had it from this angle and oddly enough it, it's like an angle that's up high like out over where the lake would be now looking back at Chicago, how are hmm. you going to do that when there's no aircraft and things like, as far as mainstream tells us, you know, there's no, no aircraft until the Wright brothers. And what was it 1906 or something? Right. But this, this uh, image is coming from a, a, a vantage point that's up high 
you know <laughs> so like all of the cover-up for for balloons and zeppelins and zeppelins essentially i think it's just a cover-up of steampunk mm-hmm. basically right yeah. um i think that we as humans are are avid tinkerers right um mm-hmm. and and that we had as well as the giant species that were here before had their technologies right and um I don't know what the exact like control system or any of this was. Some suggest that it was a pure slave state where humans were nothing but slaves or serfs mm-hmm. to these, these lords, right. Or these barons or whatever. Uh, and they always had these titles and, and that's because at one point they actually were giant, you mm-hmm. know? So we were as a species, probably afraid of these giant beings, Mm-hmm. Um, until we got to a point where we could short out their entire system, if that's what happened and, um, you know, cause the, the ensuing kind of chaos, uh, whether that was us that created this kind of electrical event or not, I, I, I'm not a hundred percent. Um, it could very well have been some type of an act of God, uh, I mm-hmm. guess if you will, um, or of gods or, or what have you. Um, so it's kind of hard to say exactly what happened to make this to make this like transpire and and put all this dirt into the air and then rain it back down and and carve out things like the Great Lakes or like the um, the canyons both in and see their canyons also Bryce Canyon in Utah that's less talked about but is a very similar nature to that of. Um, of the Grand Canyon. So I think that those are both most likely electrical scars caused from some kind of an arcing of, of energy off of these very energetic points um, that may very well have had structures that were kind of built into the land and, mm-hmm. and something happened here to cause this. Um, and And I don't think that I don't think that the fires that we're told about in all the cities around the world in the early 1900s and mid to late 1800s, I don't think that those have anything to do with this initial electrical arcing reaction. I think that those were purposeful. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. To see like the world burn. Right. Just, so like I've been digging through all these old newspapers for like researching for another episode, but um, I found some articles about like the fires in San Francisco and there was like earthquake, huge earthquake and then fires after and the fire that I read about killed like 1200 people and they had they said there was no way for them to get out and it was like 10 city blocks like how could they not get out how could these people like they obviously blocked the exits and then. I think, and then burned it up. Yeah, just, the the remnants of of these civilizations that were there that yeah that didn't want to go along with the storyline. So so they caused these great destructions. These um, I forget the word for it. Um, conflagration mm-hmm. uh, is it's mentioned as that a lot. You know, um, there these are happening all around the world at the same in the same time period. You have mm-hmm. you have this navy. The America, the U.S. Navy, right? The Freedom Fleet, the Freedom Voyage, right? Mm-hmm. Going all around the world, visiting all of these ports through all these places, and right around the time they're there, there's this massive earthquakes, destructions. So I don't know if it was 
just bombardment like from from cannons and things like this there's a lot of tales of explosions also happening in the same periods in the same time time frame in the same places as these fires mm-hmm. um in fact uh somebody that gets into that real deep a, a couple of people is um is matt over at great deception podcast i got a shout out to him because like his work is is amazing he does a a series on on the world's fairs um and quite a few other things um where he's got all the visuals there and everything so i, I highly recommend that I've been recently listening to him and that's actually where I found you <laughs> on awesome. his podcast. Right. Yeah. I like him as well. Yeah. He's on point, man. He, he's mm-hmm. killing it out there. And um, so, so yeah, I think that that's, that's the story of the great lakes and the Midwest mud flood. Um, and so how that ties into like the white city in Chicago mm-hmm. is, is just that, that they, they went out and they dug it out, you know, they, I mean, it's obvious to me and to most people looking at these pictures that there's not so much a new construction going on, mm-hmm. um, that these things were there. I mean, this the city was completely built out prior to these fires, mm-hmm. you know, um, and oddly enough, most of these buildings were like brick and steel buildings. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're told maybe that, sorry, maybe you could just explain to everyone what the white city is in case they don't know. Oh, yeah. So we have these these grand expositions. Um, in the late 1800, uh, uh, the Maybe later half late. of the 1800s, yeah. um, the early 1900s. And these are all around the world showcasing technology and, and massive architecture. Um, <clears throat> so the White City was in Chicago. It was actually in like a, an offshoot kind of area, a rural area that was technically on government property. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so this would explain, all right, how did nobody know that these structures were there prior to this exposition, right? Because it was on federal land. It was, mm-hmm. it was protected land. You couldn't just go there. Um, not to that mention makes so much sense. Yes. And, and this is, um, uh, what most of these, these expositions would have been in government held territory, even in Paris, France, mm-hmm. right? That, that entire city for a long time, I, I think was, was under siege or, or in a, a very real war. Um, mm-hmm. a, until very recently, I, I, man, I'm so compelled to, to feel that all of the wars that we are, you know, that are explained to us, mm-hmm. whether it be world war two, Korea, um, Vietnam, I mean, all of these wars were simply, the destruction and demise of the past civilization, right? So this was the culmination of this reset was all of these wars. I so think you're if, right. If you I have this destruction, to, like, collect, sorry, I don't think they want to like collect also the like loot from. Yeah, yeah, the precious metals, the, the building materials, the aggregates that we use mm-hmm. to pave our roads to have to to create concrete. Now these all came from somewhere, and. A lot of people will say, oh, it's just mined limestone, right? Well, if you're going around the world and destroying structures that are built out of the materials you need in order to um, replenish and, you know, renew architecture on your own, you're going to go take them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Native Americans have stories of of these grand cities being there, 
of places like Chicago, they considered them sacred or haunted, but I'm of the opinion that it may have been that there were giants presiding over these areas. So they just didn't go there. Um, that some survived whatever this cataclysm was. And um, there's kind of nods to that in the, in the photos of, of that era of giants being a very relevant part of, of the, the society and everything mm-hmm. um, as early as like, or as recently as like the early 1900s even. So, yep. so it's like, okay, why the big cover up for, giants by the smithsonian and so on um one of the things that led me down the crazy smithsonian rabbit hole was looking at this book contributions to knowledge by the smithsonian institute And in the very preface of the book it states that the purpose of the smithsonian is to quote unquote acquire and disseminate information um, in order to institute an understanding Right. And, and that's exactly what they've done with, yeah. with dinosaurs, with everything. Personally, I, I think dinosaurs say, are dragons, but um, yeah, I always say Smithsonian's here to curate the narrative. That's yeah, like their explicit purpose, I think. Destroy 100%. things that don't fit it and like acquire and provide things that do. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why the big cover up of giant skeletons and things like this. I mean, if you go to Peru, you can go look at giant skeletons, but you Mm -hmm. can't in the U.S. Um, And that's because this the U.S. as we know it today um, is on the back of an of an older United States that actually spanned most of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, There are maps that suggest uh, and again, you know, everything that we're given as information, we kind of have to take with a grain of salt, whether it be a spiritual teaching or an academic one, mm-hmm. um, because we're, we're provided this very specific narrative, mm-hmm. you know, um, but we're also provided the means to gain this other insight and kind of, you know, if we're of the mind to do it, create our own understanding. And most people, most people just don't care. I mean, it's, it's very easy to get up in the morning and accept what you're handed and carry on. And I've, I did that for a lot of my life, but in, uh, you know, through those experiences that I had, but also through realizing that everything I'd been told about the earth, um, being a sphere and the way the sun sets and so on. And, you know, in, in acquiring, the technology to be able to zoom in over and over again and see places mm-hmm. further and further away that shouldn't be visible. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was like a game changer for me. Um, but okay. Going back to, to Chicago and the grand expositions, mm-hmm. these were showcases of technology and basically like a last hurrah to, to show the people this old world infrastructure, but to claim it as their own. So mm-hmm. If you um, and if you look at like the numbers of people that visited these expositions, it's like, first of all, how did so many people have the means mm-hmm. and and the the like the money to be able to travel like they were um, spreading out across the U.S. and everything at this time? And um, so these expositions were a big showcase. This is before what we have today is the Internet and mass media. So this was their mass marketing. They're mm-hmm. like, no, we did this. This is us. We built these, this great white city in something like two or three years, I think is the narrative. Mm-hmm. And I mean, these buildings are massive and just one of these buildings alone would have maybe taken at least 
five to 10 years to complete, mm-hmm. um, you know, just based on the, our size as humans, the technology that we supposedly had at the time and so on. So the Great White City was this, for lack of a better term, this giant amusement park of, of old world infrastructure, um, something like 200 or 300 different buildings in, um, I forget the acreage, but in a massive, massive area outside mm-hmm. of Chicago. And it was all of this, this white marble or, or like white sandstone architecture, mm-hmm. um, very similar to what you see when you see like the White House is, is an okay example, but the, um, the Congress building in Washington, D.C., the Capitol building, as mm-hmm. well as all of your state buildings throughout the United States and even places abroad. Um, so this Great White City was this exposition site in Chicago. And um, there were very similar uh, Great White Cities in all of these expositions that they had, whether it be um, Buenos Aires or whether mm-hmm. it be um, San Francisco, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, everywhere. Um, there's even some suggestion that more recent expositions, like in Queens, New York, um, which was held on a weird piece of government land that opened up into an exposition um, after the turn of the 19th century. So, mm-hmm. so that's interesting. But mm-hmm. these were, uh, there's a reason that they're called Freemasons. Um, and not the original Masons. They they are suggesting to us that this Masonry was free. Yeah. <laughs> you know that they they just they swooped in and inherited it. And a lot of these pictures from this time period, the people will have oftentimes one hidden hand. And this also applies to the giants. In a lot of these photos, will have their one hand tucked tucked in their coat. Mm. And so. That's what leads me to believe that, all right, the giants still exist period, like in this period, like mm-hmm. today, they still exist and have just kind of put themselves into a, a state of uh, like retreat, not retreat, but they have ducked out and just said, okay, let's see what happens with these little people. Let's just let them do their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what the reasons are for that. Um you know, are, are up for debate, uh, whether it's something like a genetics issue, like is suggested through the alien topic, like, oh, they, their genetics were failing and they needed diversity. So they populated everything with this uh, relatively new creation man, right, that was smaller in, in stature and possibly smaller in, uh, in abilities also, like soul gifts, Um you know, like we're, we are copies of a greater whole. So we lose um, some of our, our abilities, um, both in thought and, and in magic, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so, so there's, there's maybe something to that. Um, But okay, so, so those expositions were meant to show, showcase, you know, the greatness of man, right? Mm -hmm. When really, I feel like they were showcasing, showcasing a greatness from something that's beyond what we're allowed to comprehend. They're really worth looking into if anyone hasn't, because they look like they look like fairy tales, like beautiful mm-hmm. Greco-Roman architecture, man-made lakes, gondolas, like you would never think it was in North America, but they were all over. And, and they and were all electrified, everywhere. you know, this all over is Europe too and everywhere. These places were lit up like 
like starshine in the night. I mean, they, it's, it's just beautiful. And it's, it's, it's a weird, eerie kind of reminiscent feeling that I get when I see this architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's like a genetic memory, kind of like in Assassin's Creed, where, where we've got these memories locked within our genetic structure. And, um, and you know, it's that's like what a, it is. It's like a piece of our collective history. And I think like we are kind of spiritually recognizing it as like a spark of a part of us. And it's like, it's so it's drawing us in because it's like such when you learn about this stuff, you just get like sucked right into it. You can't stop thinking about it. And like, yeah. <laughs> and and I, I think that that's like kind of the danger of it, which is why it was being yeah. hidden and covered up is, um, you know, uh, we have tales in, in just about every country of giants, um, of fairies, of other things that are not explained to us through science and through mainstream thought like right now um so so then like tying into the the north american pyramids um i think that there's a very real reason why there's so much state forest land um federal land that has been turned into state parks um or you know national parks and things Mm -hmm. um i think these are just areas that they did not completely demolish um and have growth over them uh, a lot of to dig there, I guess. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They don't seem to want us to dig anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I think there's a real reason for that, um, because I, I feel that literally right beneath us, no matter where you go. I mean, I think so. Yeah. Uh, under all of us. Um, and Michelle Gibson does incredible work. Anybody out there, go check out um, her work at piercing the veil of illusion.com yeah. or .net, but go check that out um, because there's ties into everything. I mean, why golf courses are, are on some of these protected lands and um, in North America, a lot of golf courses are right alongside these aggregate factories, you know, these places mm-hmm. that create the aggregate for our concrete. Um, they're oftentimes like right next to each other. And, um, so, so they're, they're actively exploiting these quote unquote natural resources Mm -hmm. for our current development. Um, so there, that's a huge rabbit hole in itself, the golf courses thing, um, how that ties into star forts and past civilization. So definitely, I I think she said something about there being like also mounds Mm -hmm. under golf courses with like, uh, um, ancient, relics in them i guess mounds right with relics and things and they're just maybe they're buried giant and, skeletons right yes exactly and i haven't been to ohio yet to see the serpent mound and things like this mm-hmm. um i can't wait to to get an opportunity to go check that out but i have noticed just around me like there'll be a turnoff off of the state highway to go to this this state forest and right where the state forest starts, you see a different growth of trees, an mm-hmm. older growth of trees that aren't just the regular oak and, and maple and kind of, um, I forget the, the name of the type of tree, but there, there are more evergreens and things mm-hmm. uh, on top of these state forests and, and in these, these crazy weird areas. And after going to these state forests or along the banks of rivers here in Iowa, and seeing very regular stonework, like, like very angular. Mm-hmm. So, so a lot of 90 degree angles, a lot mm-hmm. of straight lines. Um, 
and you know it's it's kind of dismissed through geog like geography or uh yeah geology as as being just like exposed bedrock and things like this mm-hmm. um but you know i don't think that's the whole truth i think it might be some of the truth and that that some of this bedrock is actually the foundations of these other civilizations so uh, going into into like the railroads something yeah, super want to get into the railroads. yes yes and um, michelle gibson suggests uh quite ardently that these railways were most likely already here i think that that was the case for mm-hmm. a lot of them yeah. and if not the railways themselves the foundations for the ones that we put down because mm-hmm. you have to have uh what's called ballast in order to carry massive amounts of freight over mm-hmm. land without your railway sinking. And I was looking at David Hatcher Childress's work um, on Vimanas. Uh, it's his book on Vimanas. And he's talking about uh, Mohenjo-Daro and the outlying area. Okay. Um, and he, he states, uh, in 1856, two brothers, John and William Brunton, were British engineers in charge of laying the East Indian Railway Company line scheduled to connect the cities of Karachi and Lahore. This section of the train ran through a very desolate desert area of the Indus, uh, the Indus River Valley, the Tar Desert. Um, interestingly enough, the Tar Desert uh, ties in a little bit with Tartaria and, and so on. Um, and during these surveys uh, covered in sand and dust uh, were discovered places where they could they could get ballast for their rail tracks so they needed ballast for the railway track building it above the surrounding desert plain and putting down wooden railroad ties and then track and except for a lot of sand from the desert around them there wasn't much to work with however the well-fired bricks of the ancient cities around them would work as ballast for many miles of track that needed to be laid Um, these brothers were told of an ancient ruined city near the lines called brahminabad And after visiting the city, they were convinced that there was a grand quarry for the ballast they wanted. So this is in India and Mm -hmm. um, how this uh, the city was taken apart brick by brick and is now beneath the railway lines of Pakistan to this day. Mm. I think that this was the case everywhere. Um, uh, I mean, it goes on to to say that. An, an, near another ruined city, bricks had already been used by villagers in the nearby village uh, in the same way. So this is this is not only in India, but I, I do feel that this is the case around the world. Um, so they, you know, they whether it was through old maps or what they they discovered these buried structures and they just built on top of them. They used them as a, a means to keep, you know, their 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 newer railways from sinking into the sand. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at old pictures of of uh, what I've come to call the old world, um, with its very Greco-Roman architecture and very Gothic architecture, a lot of the time, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you're like, okay, well, this stuff was built on its own foundation. Um, just like everything that we build today is is on a foundation of of some type Mm -hmm. um it seems like through most of the world you don't have to dig down too far to get to what we call bedrock 
So maybe this is a worldwide uh, mud flood uh, of a sort that happened. And it would make sense, again, with, with the decimation of Atlantis in the Atlantic and the gouging out of places like the Grand Canyon and Bryce Canyon, that that would produce enough dirt, you know, in the atmosphere or, or, or whatever to rain back down and, and create this layer of, you know, 30 or 40 meters of softer dirt, you know, that they, they'd have to find ways to work around. And um, so, yeah, I, I think that a lot of what we know as like the highways in America, this inter, interstate highway situation, um, I think that this was basically they used these old railways as ballast for these new roads for us all to drive on. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's that's what was going on there. And um, I mean, it's it's just it's crazy to think that even in places like like India, they had this the solution to this problem was right there underneath everything all along. I think that that was the case everywhere. So um, yeah. so the railways. Um, I I also think that when you see pictures, a lot of references to like um, trains, um, uh, what do you call them? Uh, Engines like exploding, there being Mm -hmm. massive train wrecks and accidents. I think that they were just kind of having fun with what was left over Mm -hmm. and, and, and kind of really showing it just as much disrespect as possible by crashing them into each other and blowing them up and all this crazy stuff we see going on with trains in the turn of the century. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so like they were playing with, with things that weren't theirs. And um, so that's, that's wild, but um, yeah, the, the, the railway, the infrastructure, I think is much older than we are told for sure. And um, it's most likely underneath what we've come to use as our current uh, roadways. Yeah. And like, well, I live up in Canada and in, I think that this happened in America too, but Canadian rails, like um, say that they, during the great depression, they built all these like um, Fairmont hotels, which are just like massive castles, right? like like old world architecture through and through massive. And like, they're all across Canada and connected by the railway and they're all across uh, America too like the Fairmont hotels. So yes. And um, they're, they're all owned by places or people like, like the Hiltons or, yeah. you know, these, these other uh, inheritors. Right. Um, yeah. Um, Old blood. Yeah. And, and they're, they're everywhere. Like you're saying, um, I think a lot of them are buried, like completely buried. And, and we've just, mm-hmm. you know, built on top of them, but mm-hmm. there are some like Hearst castle in California, just a, a crazy, incredible structure. The interior um, is very, uh, we'll call it like Moorish. Um, oh yeah, with yeah. with a lot of a lot of lapis lazuli, a lot of you know blue stonework, um, a lot of ceramic, um, you know, uh, and supposedly like this ceramic and this this marble and all of these things was admittedly imported, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know that it was imported from like abroad, like they say. I think that it was. Mm-hmm. It was kind of, you know, they collected a lot of this old world infrastructure, this these building products, and they kind of reclaimed some of these old castles and rebuilt them mm-hmm. back up, mm-hmm. um, which is why you won't find any what I call legitimate reference or pictures to these things being built. Um, 
pretty much the closest you'll get is it'll be halfway built and it'll have like, um, it'll have like, uh, gosh, what do you call it? Scaffolding. Scaffolding. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It'll have scaffolding yeah. built up around it. And they're like, Oh, this it is one so it was fake, being built. Eh? Do you think well, it looks fake? It, it looks like it was half destroyed, not half built, mm, you know, especially mm-hmm. with like the state house in Iowa, the That's domes cool. were gone. Um, it looked burnt, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, um, which is why I think we get a lot of just black and white because it's harder to see the difference in color. And there'll and, be like a discoloration on the bottom part where they dug it always where it looks super old and gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, Seattle, uh, Seattle, Washington is, is really big on that. And they have tours and things out there where you can go, um, tour the underground, right. And you can tour oh, a part that. of the city where you can see the layer beneath the city. Um, I don't have the picture handy. All uh, these cities have that even all over Northern Canada, everything, the big cities, they all have a city below the city. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. And, and I, I do feel that that's a remnant. Um, mm-hmm. Same thing with what we've come to know as like deep underground military bases mm-hmm. and things like this. Um, there's suggestion from people that these massive underground caverns, some of them were ancient, very ancient mm-hmm. and, and the newer ones connect into these older ones. Mm-hmm. So Again, I think we're layers upon layers of past civilizations and existences, mm-hmm. some of which may still very well be in existence right beneath us. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're just not basically not supposed to know about it. And so that kind of ties into uh, Agartha and like what the underworld is. A lot mm-hmm. of what, what we have referenced as the underworld is called Tartarus. Um, mm-hmm. So that's very interesting that it, that it ties to the name Tartaria. Um, which kind of makes me wonder, okay, did these Tartarians at some point come up from underground and establish themselves above ground? Mm -hmm. Is is this why we see the complexion uh, or the skin color of humans differing between what we know as indigenous peoples who are very dark skinned as if they'd been in the sun a significant amount of time longer, like ages, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, longer than, than these people that were in the tropical eras uh, areas mm-hmm. and, and had darker skin and um, kind of an interesting reference to that is the box saga. And uh, so I recommend looking into that. Um, Dan and Aki Dan has a, a show called roots of creation where he discusses some of that. And um, but it's, it's also on YouTube, a man by the name of Jim Chesner narrates some of this box saga story. And it's, it's an, like a Norse, not mythology, but origin story. Mm-hmm. And, and it speaks of a time, it. it speaks of a time when, when people, uh, or the, these Northern people, these, these white people are mm-hmm. trapped underground because everything above ground is ice, right? So mm-hmm. they're, they're trapped underground for an extended period of time. And in that time underground, they're developing technologies. They're, they're carrying on and doing what humans do and creating, um, mm-hmm. But then at some point, they were able to come up out of, of the underground, mm-hmm. whether this was up like out of Tartarus or whether this was up out of, say, like the portal to Agartha, which may be in the North Pole, mm-hmm. um, you know, remains yet to be seen. Um, but like when it comes to Agartha, 
uh, and and this this portal entrance supposedly at the North Pole, I think there's a very valid reason why our compasses point north. And um, I've got a couple of kind of theories on what that might be. The first one, and it's probably kind of like the crazier one, is that that this is just like the the magnetic north because this is where the energy flows in at the pole and it comes back out, you know, um, down below at some to some extent. But mm-hmm. so uh, the one way I look at it that's kind of helpful is to think of of our existence in in terms of vibration and of frequency, and to to think that. All right, we live in a certain octave of existence. Um, if you're into music, you know you're familiar with different octaves and different keys of of tones and and of of music. So we exist in this this layer of of density and of vibration. And within the Earth, um, which may be accessed possibly through like the North Pole vortex, um, which is why all of our compasses point towards that vortex because that's the influx uh area mm-hmm. and um so so there's some kind of a bridge uh or a tunnel or, or portal. A, a portal right that that would um very much kind of like a black hole supposedly with the singularity mm-hmm. of a black hole that if you were to fall into one um you know you might be spit out somewhere else. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that it's kind of like that. Um, it's really unfortunate that that we are kind of kept, this information is kept from us. But I think it's just to keep us here and to kind of keep us uh, creating for this control system. Mm-hmm. So so that's why the, the whole, you know, globe lie and all this stuff, I'm pretty comfortable in saying that the, that NASA and everything they stand for is, is BS. <laughs> so, you know, I'm pretty comfortable with that, but I do see the purpose that, that the story of space and exploration, um, I see the purpose that it has in order to keep us kind of creating for this control system. So that makes mm-hmm. sense to me. Um, but Agartha, yeah, I think that that's through this, this portal. Um, I'm not like spot on about whether Agartha and Tart and Tartarus are two different things. Mm-hmm. I think that they are, but I'm not a hundred percent on really on anything to, to be honest with you. Every day is like, what if like uh, Tartarus is here, but what if we are in Agartha already? <laughs> maybe that's why they cut down all those massive trees and got rid of the giants. Cause they could tell us there was a roof to it. <laughs> right for sure um what's what's really crazy is in the apocrypha which is basically the deleted scenes from from the the canon of the bible right mm-hmm. um there's a reference to prior to the flood um basically uh god told the angels to cut down these these massive trees so that people or you know these creatures that were on the world at that point wouldn't be able to hide from this flood so mm. there's a, a mention that it was it was uh, purposefully done um, for that reason to to basically wow. not allow safe harbor for certain entities that may have been here uh, wow. prior to that. So I, I find that very very interesting, and it just tells me a lot of why these things are kept out of common knowledge and out of the canon of the Bible because it 
it suggests more beyond us, you know, um, not just spiritually, but, but physically. Um, also if you've got everybody believing that you're on a, a spinning space ball and there's nowhere else to go, they're just going to at some point stop exploring. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that we have seen that, that along with the control, the tight controls that are on exploration, both to the North pole and to the South. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, you know, if you're familiar with magnetics, just because you have a North doesn't necessarily mean that that the south even south pole even exists mm-hmm. uh, you know because yeah because it would just point north um yeah so, yeah yes <laughs> and and apparently like when you well from what some have said when you go south the the compass doesn't just like spin when you get to the south pole it, it still is pointing north so <laughs> so that doesn't make <laughs> as much sense to me as as it might to some people but mm-hmm. um so that's crazy. And, and then like looking at Admiral Byrd um, and, and this, these expeditions, these polar expeditions, there's not a whole lot of discussion about his North Pole expo- expedition, um, which happened prior to him going to the South, quote unquote, pole, mm-hmm. um, which I find interesting. There's a lot of reference to the Antarctic expo- expedition. Um, yeah. But what we're told of the North Pole um, has to do with like, these other lesser expeditions that happened in this era of like wooden ships and, and things like this um, where they were crushed in the ice and stuck there. And only a few people made it back. So there's a lot of like horror stories about Mm -hmm. going to these, these places. And like, if you look at old maps, the around the North pole, there's, there's this vortex in the middle and then there's these four lands on the outside of it. And there's four rivers kind mm-hmm. of coming out of the center and, mm-hmm. and flowing out in the cardinal, cardinal directions out into the world. Um, so that's, again, there's like a suggestion of this vortex at the North Pole. Um, but then like on old maps of, of the flat earth, there is no South Pole there. There is um, <laughs> there is just this outer ring, right? Or this mm-hmm. like ice wall or this this kind of barrier. Um, and I, I think that this ice barrier, they're, they're trying to keep this ice frozen, which is why the, all of the blocking out of the sun through, um, you know, chemtrails. And, and I don't care at this point what anybody says about chemtrails being a lie. I mean, they tell us. Mm-hmm. All of this stuff, it's all out there in black and white and what people consider facts. You can find information about this manipulation of, of energy in this world. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's just a part of it. Just the manipulation of energy is one thing, but they're also trying to keep certain areas frozen because mm-hmm. there's, there's oh, maybe yeah. not so much. Yeah. There's maybe not so much of a mud issue uh, down in those frozen areas, I would imagine. Um, and then Admiral bird going down there and then like they get chased off by these Nazi or, um, or alien, uh, technologies, right? Like Mm -hmm. they get, they get pretty much their asses handed to them. (laughs) Didn't they have like a dog fight with like, uh, crafts that came out of a lake or something right or was that right right or or maybe it came out of one of these giant tunnels uh, or these vortexes but yeah they had this encounter with um with these these um ships 
for, for lack of these craft, there we go, mm-hmm. um, that were of a superior technology and were like blindingly fast, like can go pole to pole in, in a few minutes. Um, so, I mean, we're talking so far beyond the speeds that we're like comfortable with understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, there's, there's so much propaganda information uh, like surrounding Admiral Byrd that it's really hard to say all right, what mm. do we take from, from this information? What do we, mm. what can we glean from this without, mm. and this is the hard part, like without completely buying into mm-hmm. the story that we're told. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's part of like the human condition to want to feel comfortable in knowing, mm-hmm. you know, like, like I want to feel good about knowing my place in the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've done an okay job of kind of creating this narrative um, with Admiral Byrd included, um, where he comes out and says on live television that there's a land larger than the size of the United States beyond, and he says it like this, beyond the South Pole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, okay, mm-hmm. h- how do you go beyond mm-hmm. this this supposed pole, right? Well, wouldn't you then be, be going back right north? Back. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, so that itself doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just kind of disregard that. But um, I think through their their um their like process of willful ignorance like they they feed us the information that is real hidden within like falsities hidden within fallacy mm-hmm. and i think this admiral bird situation is one of those um i'm starting to lean more towards just about everything that we're told <laughs> yeah is is kind of uh has its roots in in persu- excuse me in persuading Mm-hmm. the masses of a certain reality. Um, yeah, I think we can always be suspect when we find a mysterious diary later. Like I <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. there's other cases in history where that is like, you know, turned out to be a psyop. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm pretty comfortable uh, in the in the understanding that that everything that we're handed um, has, has a root purpose to control to some extent. Um, and yeah, it's like only Bird, through he's tied to all the pl- main players. Like he's tied to the CIA and like the U S military and yeah, all the major players. So I was always a little suspicious. Absolutely. And, and, you know, his, his expedition was post paperclip, you know, like they had mm-hmm. already brought all of these great minds um, from the East, you know, from, mm-hmm. from Germany, from, from Nazi occupied France, from, from all of these places, they'd already brought them all over and made them a part of this massive think tank that turns mm-hmm. into the CIA. Um, and Disney that, and, and, and Disney and that a hundred percent everything. Yes. And, no. um, you know, a lot of people look at like Disney NASA as like evil satanic things, but if mm-hmm. you look at it like this, like okay 666 is yes it's the mark of the beast but it's also the the chemical makeup of the carbon atom mm-hmm. so you have you know six of each part of that atom and it creates what we know as material existence mm-hmm. so um instead of for me instead of looking at it like okay there's a red devil guy in a suit that yeah, that I is dictating all this i think <laughs> yeah. it's just the the material essence of this realm um which oh, is that's what, so interesting like materialism correct yes um, the opposite of spiritualism right and that's mm-hmm. why the big push to to snuff out you know spirituality and 
that's why the materialism right and that's why the big Mm. big push to make you feel like you're on a space rock flying through space at you know so many uh, thousands of millions of miles an hour and in all Mm. directions and yet the north star stays right dead center Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know um so that that alone you know screams nonsense to me so um and they they do these weird computer projections where they're like yeah if you go back for far enough there was a different star at the north pole um (laughs) so they show us these computer animations of of Mm -hmm. things like this um as a way to back this up the their new story. North star. Like, yeah. Right. This will, this will be the North star in 10,000 years. You know, <laughs> yeah. nobody will be around to see it, but just take our word for it. You know, mm-hmm. like, like that's what it's going to be. So, so yeah, I mean, for a long time, I was pretty kind of black pilled about everything. Like, well, mm-hmm. what can I do? I'm never going to know um, anything. And that's true. I'll, I'll never know hundred mm-hmm. percent about anything in this realm, but um, then I realized, well, just be open-minded and, if you see something, some information or a story, um, especially fictions, um, things like Stephen King's work talking about this veil between realities. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he goes off on a lot of tangents about vampires and psychic nature of people mm-hmm. and all kinds of stuff in his books. Um, but then also things like Lord of the Rings, where you have this this reference to creation and the Cimmerillion. Um, mm-hmm. which which kind of coincides with creation as we see it in spiritual teachings all around the world. So that's interesting. Um, but like one thing I've been looking at really kind of ardently lately is the the talk about different peoples um, in in your fictional stories, whether it's anime, right? You have a lot of mm-hmm. fantasy realms in anime and things mm-hmm. like this. And all of these fantasy realms have this, old world infrastructure in them Mm -hmm. um and oftentimes we'll have a steampunk nature to this this previous existence Mm -hmm. and uh the crazy thing about animes is there's always this group of people in bowler hats very very reminiscent of these (laughs) inheritors that we see in Mm -hmm. these photos of early um uh all the world's fair. Right, right. They're all wearing the black suits and the women all have the same dress and they have those hats. Yes, these bowler hat people, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And they're always the enemies in this this anime kind of fantasy land, right? They're always the group that is coming into power during the time of this this last great transition. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of what I feel are memories embedded within these stories that we're told mm-hmm. um so people and maybe like in it. our collective memory and then we create with the collective memory correct it. yes um yeah and i i think that that's pretty spot on what's going on and you know especially after having experiences myself through meditation mm-hmm. and and gaining what i feel is insight i could see how inspiration can can kind of be a product of these genetic or or like family line memories that mm-hmm. that we have and that some inspiration is indeed brought into us from from this outer kind of consciousness that the world is um and so so that's mind-blowing in itself that's like a whole a whole nother episode there but um so that's that's pretty much what i think about like the poles situation um mm-hmm. so like looking into uh All right. So looking into simulation, right? Like what the Mm -hmm. nature of our reality is. I've been, I've been kind of, 
I've been okay, at well. odds with with the the term simulation for a long time. Me too. Um, because. <laughs> It just like it has like this way of making you think of like ones and zeros, the matrix, or like you know that type of idea. Right, like a, a very it has AI a very two D or something. Yeah, a very flat two D kind of connotation mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. And um, while I I think that the language simulation is probably as as close to us being able to explain it properly as we can get at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like if we have a simulation in our computers. It's a 2D simulation mm-hmm. because we are in the 3D realm creating this next octave within mm-hmm. uh, of, of existence in within our computers, AI, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of of the mind that that the 2D computer realm is information that was given to people to some extent to allow us to create this other realm, this other home mm-hmm. for certain energetic entities. And um, that's like where you get the term ghost in the machine um, mm-hmm. and kind of things like this. So, so simulation is, is like an okay way to look at it, but then like remembering, okay, we're in the 3d and we're creating a 2d, right? So imagine mm-hmm. if we were entities in a higher dimension outside of time and we were creating a simulation I feel like it would very much resemble or be like this reality that we are in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a different layer of a simulation, a different bubble, you know, a different type mm-hmm. of simulation. This is this is the uh, <laughs> maybe we live in the computer of the gods, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, right? but it's so far beyond our ability to comprehend um, that simulation kind of does it no justice. But um, that would explain a lot of things, a, a lot of where uh, where humans have gained this information on how to code and all of this, um, that we have just borrowed this from, from our version that we exist in. Mm-hmm. And, and we have just created this next level, I don't want to say down, but this, this next dimensional level of a simulation within our own. So mm-hmm. this may very well have happened in a higher dimensional plane. And that's where we exist is within um, a higher dimensional planes, quote unquote mm-hmm. simulation. Um, so, and, and on that simulation note, um, you know, a, a lot of people will go, okay, if this is a simulation, is the sky just a projection is, is the moon just a projection Um you know, there's, uh, I don't know if you've ever listened to Crow Triple Seven's work. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I love that. Uh, but he goes into uh, something that I was blown away by was the lunar wave phenomenon. Yeah. I actually <laughs> listened to that, him talk about that. About. It's, it's mind blowing. And he's not the only one that has caught this, um, you know, on he film. Has like, yeah, he has so many, he has so much proof of it. Right. And, um, I spent a couple explain, of dollars. Sorry. Maybe yeah. No worries. Um, so if, if you have a chance, go check out Crow Triple Seven's work. Um, or and and, his podcast. Uh, yeah. And his podcast, he's got tons of videos out there. Mm-hmm. Um, one is called the lunar wave. Go take a look at this. It's very interesting. Um, it's very reminiscent. If you were filming a TV screen and you know how you get this kind of rolling wave that kind mm-hmm. of happens through the screen as you're filming it, it's, a product of, of the projection coming out of your TV combined mm-hmm. with the filming. 
So it's mm-hmm. this weird kind of rolling nature of, um, or if you have a VCR, like if you're old like me and have had a VCR, when you turn the tracking knob and it starts to roll, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's a very similar type of effect that we see on in the moon. And um, at first I thought about the moon as being like maybe a pure projection of some type or a pure mm-hmm. hologram. Um, but I don't think that that's, that's correct. I have since come to, to believe or feel that the moon itself um, may very well be a physical body, mm-hmm. but these phases that we see um, and this, this cycle that the moon goes through may be a projection onto that body. Mm-hmm. Um, or from within it, maybe sometimes. I right. Think. Right, right. Um, like a luminary body. Or, and, and see, and looking into what, what leads me to believe this is looking into Vimanas and the subject of these flying cities. Um, and, and when you're looking in, when I'm looking into Vimanas. Is that like Indian folklore, sorry? Correct. Yeah. Through yeah. the Vedic texts, they talk mm-hmm. about these Vimanas. And, and one book I've referenced for that is Vimana by David Hatcher Childress. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, there are tales in the Vedic texts of not only of these craft, but of the technology that is inherent with these craft, um, part of which is like a cloaking capability. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's crazy that these texts that are thousands of year, years old, supposedly, um, mention things like how to see within another ship from your own. So hmm. it's referencing like some form Astral of projection that or some form of a technology that mm-hmm. that um, sees through matter to a certain extent. So uh, it helps me to think of of this simulation that we're in being a projection of a higher plane. Mm-hmm. Um, so that helps me. It's kind of weird that that helps me. That's super confusing for most people. But but um, so so this moon may very well be a part of the reason that creatures have been mining this planet for extended periods of time may have been mm-hmm. to create this Vimana or this craft or this flying city um, that has these abilities like are stated in, in David Hatcher Childress's work and other works relating to the capabilities of these craft to be able to cloak, to be able to represent just a pure light, like a star mm-hmm. Um so I also have some, some theories on what, what we see as the planets may very well be that these may mm-hmm. actually be, uh, cloaked craft. Cra- craft essentially. Yes. Um, and <clears throat> so that's kind of wild and out there, but I, so my, my feeling, uh, of, of the moon is that it may be a combination of a projection and a physical craft. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much speculation and debate surrounding the moon when it comes to, did we really land there? Um, did we not? Is it a plasma body? Like this scientist came on the NBC news back in the sixties and said, um, I gave a lot of credence to that uh, in the very mm-hmm. beginning. But then I was like, okay, these people that own media and allow this information to be out there because at some point they do decide whether or not we're going to have access to this information Mm -hmm. or these speculations yeah Um, definitely so so in in knowing that 
that there's almost always like a reason or a rhyme behind the stuff that we're told. I'm looking at it like, okay, are, are we as, yeah. And I, I kind of consider myself a flat earther in the sense that it appears to be flat from, from perspective, from a point of mm-hmm. view of us existing here. If you go out to, you know, the coastline of the great lakes, oftentimes you could see all the way across to Chicago or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And it's too far to see. It should be behind the curve. That much is obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so um, bringing into account the double slit experiment that has to do with quantum physics, mm-hmm. that when you observe a particle of light or you observe a wavelength of light, it becomes a particle. So it like manifests through your observation which is why this will always look flat to us. It will always look like a straight line to us. But if you step outside of that, that time bubble, um, <clears throat> then you would, then you would maybe see this realm as a sphere within this time bubble. That's, that's my thought on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the moon, or I don't know if it's a base. Field. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. And the, the bubble is kind of, uh, something that manifests because of this Taurus. Sorry, did you just say, I don't know if the moon is a base because <laughs> it's funny. I always say that to my husband and I call it the moon base and he gets so mad. At me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm see, I'm kind of on the fence about that because it would make sense to me that if you were wanting a place of observation, that you would have some form of a body in the sky and uh, recently I found out that the moon is within our atmosphere. Even NASA says so. NASA says that there's a layer of hydrogen. This is how they put it, that, that reaches all the way out to the moon and beyond. Mm-hmm. So the, like, the, okay. they have admitted to us <laughs> that this thing is in our atmosphere. So they're, they're kind of laughing at us as they feed us all of the information uh, that we need along with so much that we don't that it's hard to weed through it all and they'll just slightly shift it as we learn things to like explain away everything <laughs> yeah spot on 100 yeah. percent uh, what's really floored me lately about the whole nasa and spacex thing is watching some of these videos of these spacex launches and these landings of these rockets there are some of them that are obviously to me cgi 100 cgi yeah um you know i grew up you know analyzing video games and movies and you know basically seeing and knowing what the difference between uh a, an actual you know analog footage of something versus a cgi image mm-hmm. what that looks like the texture things like this they've gotten very good at creating extremely lifelike situations and and footage of things and but there are some recently that like a friend will show me, Hey, did you see this Falcon X rocket coming in landing? And there'll be like two of them and they come down and they land. And as they're landing, like something doesn't look right about the cloud that they kick up, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the time it's something as basic as the water, looking at mm-hmm. water in some of these images, looking at smoke, um, looking at things that are very difficult to replicate with, with a computer. Yes. And so seeing some of the, these films, quote unquote, of these rockets going and landing and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that a lot of what we're shown has any, 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 uh, any reality, reality to yeah. it. Yeah, it's just not. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I get a lot of crap for for being so dismissive of 
of these scientific uh, discoveries and things. Um, mm-hmm. But that has made me look into the, the subject of Vamanas and what these ancient craft were and how did they work. Um, and something that comes into play is called a mercury vortex engine. And this is supposedly the technology that was used by the Germans in World War II to create their Glocke, the, the bell. Um, oh, yeah. Craft uh, and and other. Which was uh, essentially like a flying saucer, was it not? Correct. Uh, may very well have even been like a time. Uh, oh, yeah. A time based uh technology that that was able to phase in and out um and things like this that manipulated basically the gravity and and the reality itself to move um mm-hmm. which is what these vamanas did they had mercury vortex engines within them that would um change the resonance of the craft and allow it to to levitate or to fly um or to move about so that's they, crazy because the pyramids have didn't a lot of the pyramids have like big pools of mercury in them within them some of them yes uh uh, we see a lot of this in like in chinese um Mm -hmm. um uh complexes like these underground tombs supposedly cities were levitating at one time it's it's a good possibility um i i do like to to humor that thought and and that this this war that is spoken of in these vedic texts between all the sky peoples and stuff and these flying cities and things maybe it culminated in this destruction and these things then were forced to be landridden again. Um, it's a very good possibility. There's also a possibility in, in my mind that, that these uh, some of these Vimana still exist to this day mm-hmm. and are, I don't know, Cloak? cloaked or, or resemble something like, Venus, the morning star, or, mm-hmm. you know, like, like Saturn. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that there are life forms or existences or consciousness existing in a, within our realm, but in a different plane, um, mm-hmm. in a different vibration. And so they're kind of contained within this, with their own toroidal field that is generated by these mercury vortex engines that power these these vimana and things like this so, so in like a different time bubble than us maybe possibly or? possibly um because once you start manipulating you know gravity and uh time is not far behind in my opinion it's crazy because michelle gibson i just listened to something where she said something about um how she thinks the philadelphia experiment they went back in time before they came back and that it started the time loop that she theorizes is going on. Right. That that started in 1414. Th- yeah. Yeah. And she says that like the very middle point, I guess, of her time loop theory would be the Philadelphia experiment. Correct. Yes, correct. Yeah. Um, and, and I man, I really think that she's so spot on with with she, all of her is. work, really. It's it's amazing. Um, I've read through her work several times and just find it amazing. That, that there are folks out there that have dedicated themselves to putting together this information that has been hidden from us for so long. And mm-hmm. like just all of the different points of reference you would have to reference in order to come to the conclusions that she has, or it's just astounding, you know, mm-hmm. the amount of effort that goes into that. So it's not to be taken lightly. And you the know, volume of like just sheer research, like she's just 
like the volume is amazing. Like I've been listening to her for a long time and I barely taken a bite out of her information. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's stellar stuff. I, mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that that she's out there doing the work that she is. And, mm-hmm. and hopefully I'll be able to get with her at some point when I can formulate <laughs> what exactly it is that I want mm-hmm. to, to uh, ask her about and not just be like, too gushy, <laughs> you know, right? about, about loving everything that she's doing. Cause I really do. Um, I mean, her work ties into the politics of today and mm-hmm. everything. Um, the, this dark nature of this control structure, how they have built things like racetracks and stuff on top of key energy points that were old world structures, mm-hmm. um, is amazing. Um, recently I found that, that I, I feel that there's a tie between Bigfoot and some of these paranormal happenings mm-hmm. that happen in these these outlying areas. I yeah, feel that there's with that? I feel that like, there's a tie to to is, these energetic structures to some degree. Strange phenomenon like surrounding the Bigfoot um, anomalies too that are like like burn circles and orbs and just like strange disappearances. Four one one national parks, <laughs> everything like it's all sort of connects to all the same like all the phenomenons are connected in a weird web and it's so interesting to try and just sort out how and why like (laughs) yeah it's quite it's quite the journey it's Mm um man and and i man i I just love that there's so many of us kind of pursuing this um so cool it's it's amazing like a few years back i i was like feeling so lonely in in my in my like comprehension and understanding like the first thing that set me off was like seeing them spray the skies all the time i like Mm -hmm. to look at a blue sky you know Mm -hmm. um i was probably one of like the last people in my friend group to adopt having a cell phone all the time and be staring at my palm of my hand so so i spent a lot of time looking at the clouds and stuff growing up and you know um right around like probably 2010 all of that changed Mm -hmm. um I, I don't know if it, I, I do feel that it had to do with like the switch to digital happened in like 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. when they're like, all right, no more analog people, we're going digital. Mm-hmm. And um, that was right about the time we saw the emergence of the IBM cloud, the Apple cloud, mm-hmm. um, all of this stuff kind of coincided. And uh, what's kind of strange about that is like supposedly based on the Mayan calendar, that was the end of an age right about that time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so was that the end of the analog era, which possibly this old world infrastructure, this other computational means that used to exist here? Um, that age was over. So now it's like mm-hmm. stepping into this new kind of weird transhuman technological digital environment. Um, mm-hmm. And then we see the mat like wholesale spraying of the skies and, and you can be anywhere in the world. Um, I think just about everywhere has some form of geoengineering mm-hmm. uh, in place going on. And it's very much like Mr. Burnsy, you know, like <laughs> they're just blocking out the sun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so like lately, as far as the blocking out the sun thing goes, I think that it's kind of twofold. They're using it to create this medium in the air for data um, habitation and extraction, right? So mm-hmm. I feel like these clouds that they're talking about aren't just server farms somewhere. 
They are literally like computing. nanoparticle clouds. Correct. Correct. And, and they are computing things and storing information within the atmosphere itself. And, um, and that's what the harp arrays are. And that's what all of this manipulation, it's twofold. They manipulate the weather and they also, um, are using this, this suspension of nanoparticles to hold data to a certain mm -hmm. extent and, and that these clouds are, are literally all around us. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, so that's my thought on that. Uh, and it's kind of wild to, to think that way, but I do really feel that that's what's going on. It's not just weather manipulation. There's another, mm -hmm. another very key element to it that we're kind of like kept in the dark about. So do you think that there is natural clouds or do you think they're all like, do you think that we would have weather as we know it, if we weren't spraying? That's a great question. Um, lately, I, I feel like this weather manipulation is a necessary thing um that perhaps whatever this cataclysm was that refaced the earth um mm -hmm. you know that that changed it from being um you know canals everywhere a very kind of even even plateau or an even plain with you know not so much mountains and valleys i i think that what we're told about like tectonics and everything is wrong. And then what we're told about weather, um, I do think it's been manipulated since at least any of us alive can recall. Mm -hmm. um, I think they've gotten better at storing data in, in the clouds, so to speak. And, mm -hmm. and so that's why the, the nanoparticles and things like this, that's why they're not just using sulfur dioxide and, um, and other elements to just seed the clouds mm -hmm. um, like they were going back to was it project Popeye I want to say Popeye mm -hmm. um uh but anyway um yeah so back in World War II they were admitting to controlling the weather they've done things like in the Ho Chi Minh Trail um cause it to rain torrentially for mm -hmm. extended periods of time mm -hmm. to flood everything out <laughs> so if they were already doing that with that kind of uh with that kind of like effective nature um then they may have been working on this for a very extended period of time. And maybe only, you know, well, around the times of the world wars did they kind of perfect it again. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do think that a lot of like the mud that is seen in world war one, this trench warfare, I think that these were, they were fighting uh, a war for different reasons. Mm -hmm. I think it was the remnants of this old, civilization tartaria or um or the golden horde or um the old united states of the world uh mm -hmm. i think that there were still remnants that somehow survived this massive mm -hmm. cataclysm and they were dug in you mm -hmm. know they were wanting to keep their their rightful lands and things like this and i think this is what the world wars uh, what all of the wars including the war of 1812 mm -hmm. even back to the civil war in america mm -hmm. Um, this civil war, yes, it was uh, a battle uh, in a sense about slavery, but mm -hmm. it was it was not the slavery as we we're told of you know African Americans. It was the slavery of the entire populace. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, it was this this rollout of this control system that we're currently a part of, and um, so so yeah, I feel like all, all of these war all all wars that we know of and have information on 
are really just the decimation of this previous age. Mm-hmm. Um, and installation of other programs and narratives and yeah. R- right. Like, like the, the university system, those are all mm-hmm. in old world infrastructure, mm-hmm. the um, asylums, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you didn't fall in line with the program, you were boom, just locked into an asylum. Mm-hmm. It didn't necessarily mean you were a crazy person, but you didn't follow the narrative that was being pitched by these, mm-hmm. these robber barons and see, they're really all about claiming those titles, right? Like mm-hmm. robber baron, where does that come from? Where does this concept come from? Well, they're robbers and they're barons. So they consider mm-hmm. themselves Lords, but they're also telling you that they have robbed all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, Freemasons, the free masonry. <laughs> so, you know, um, and they it's do crazy often because I've been like looking at free, like Freemasons. I was like from a conspiracy standpoint for so long, but until you learn about mud flood and like <laughs> they like literally stole the infrastructure. No, they didn't build anything. They're not builders. Like, and it's pretty crazy to connect that Freemason. They just sat themselves in the chairs of the people that came yeah, and they and they have no problem in telling us yeah all of this stuff um apparently it's like a mockery. It, it is it's a mockery but it's also part of um it's part of i guess the free will nature of this realm mm-hmm. um so in order for them to continue with this this behavior it's like revelation of method or something correct right? yeah. exactly yes they they have to show us now there's nothing saying that they can't show us through a lens of quote unquote fiction, mm-hmm. um, which or is distortion, I th- so that we correct. Yeah. Yes, um, it, it's so well executed and so well planned out, and you Encoded. know, um, yes, it's it's insane. Um, I mean, yeah. So so like kind of going back to uh, like possibly planets being spaceships, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you look at uh, all right. So some think Mars, right. Mm-hmm. A- and they think, all right, it's, is it an outer space in the sense that we're on a flat earth and it's the land outside. There are some people mm-hmm. that think that like outside of the wall, there's Terra Mara mm-hmm. and Terra Vista and these mm-hmm. other areas. Um, or is Mars um, like I'm kind of insinuating uh, or inferring uh, possibly like a Vimana craft that that actually uh you know exists um with kind of an offshoot of of reality um now see i i don't know you know i've never been to mars um but there's like this crazy push that yeah we're gonna inhabit mars and elon musk is sending all these rockets to mars um and so on now i i don't know if he's sending these rockets through some kind of a portal to a different distant land of Mars. If it's just somewhere outside of here, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure, but there's definitely something, a reason why they're like gearing up everybody and have been for a long time to go to Mars. I mean, you look back at like total recall when I was mm-hmm. growing up, mm-hmm. we've got to get to Mars, you know, mm-hmm. like there's this, <laughs> this subliminal predictive mm-hmm. programming kind of pushing us in this direction, like through my entire life, you know, Mars attacks, so on and so forth. Like there's all this crazy stuff and it's all pointing to there being some kind of an offshoot civilization that exists on Mars. And if you've ever looked at Ari Aslan's work, mm-hmm. um, I forget the name of his site offhand. 
Uh, but anyway, he, he talks about this Martian control system mm-hmm. being, uh, being the, the peoples that maybe caused this last cataclysm, mm-hmm. um, among other things. So there's a lot, a lot there in his information. I recommend anybody to go take a look at Ari Aslan's work. Um, on the Mars thing, I just want to tell you something interesting I found because I was looking at the old newspapers and I found something from 1904 or maybe it was 19 or 1894, somewhere around there. And it was like when Mars approached its closest part or its closest approach to Earth. I guess it does it every however, some point within 100 years, it comes closer, right? I don't know. Well, that's just what they thought in this paper. But so they're saying that they what they saw and what they were observing from Earth was signaling in like big lights and straight lines in triangles, canals that filled when the poles melted, that converged in points that were like big um, man-made lakes where they and they were like, and so they were estimating that like some of the canals were like 500 miles wide and stuff. And then so I was thinking like, what if it's way closer? And it's just like, they're just regular sized canals, but Mars is way closer than they're telling us. Or like, I don't know, it's a really interesting article, but yeah. Yeah. And see, they, there used to be information coming out in the papers about all sorts of things. Mars, um, giants, pyramids. a lot about giants, pyramids. Yeah. Um, Antiquities in America is is a, a an article, I forget what papers in, uh, the Raftsman's Journal. Um, in fact, um, so if people want to look that up, it's uh, it's a, a newspaper from the turn of the century talking about antiquities in America and how when they got here, they found old growth, like several hundred year old trees growing out of the ruins of these these structures, these pyramids, these mounds, these other just buried structures. Mm-hmm. So to me, that kind of infers that there was like a downtime where mm-hmm. nobody was nobody was up here nobody was running around playing snatch and grab like there was time mm-hmm. for these massive growth to happen after this last civilization fell um so or that's like kind of, when you like kick the anthill and everyone comes running out and starts <laughs> <laughs> right right or if the anthill is frozen over right yeah, and, and it's yeah. like the box saga how we're how we were apparently stuck underground for 10,000 years. That's what the mm-hmm. box saga uh, infers is that there's a period of about 10,000 years where humanity was stuck underground. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the, the timeline that we're handed has obviously been tampered with mm-hmm. um, to what extent it's been tampered with. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if perhaps at one point the the time bubble was removed, some modifications happened down here and then they, Boop, wrap it all back up within a neat time like bubble a again. Cosmic reset rather than like a material <laughs> reset. Yeah. Right, right. Like, you know, in, in order for, you know, manipulation to happen on this plane from these uh, otherworldly uh, kind of mm-hmm. powers, these 5D powers um, that they had they gotta to set the stage. You're right. They got to pull that time bubble back, boom, set the stage, put everybody mm-hmm. here. I think that's part of the reason why we're called human beings. Mm-hmm. I think it's a throwback to the word homunculus. And um, and that that basically we were crafted to inhabit a, once again a, a realm that was previously uninhabitable due to whatever chaotic wars or things like this. So um, 
and this might irritate a lot of people that are that are into kind of like the Bible side of the story <laughs> and things mm. like this. But um, in all of our tales of of, of creation, uh, not all of ours, but in some Sumerian, for example, you have this these lesser gods, the Anunnaki, mm-hmm. who the half who, gods, or who whatever. physically, yeah, who actually crafted humanity Titans for a certain too, purpose. I think are half. Right? Are Titans half gods? Yeah. Titans were were like the offspring. So they were like demigods. So they were oh, the yeah, offspring yeah. of the gods. And mm-hmm. so, like what all that entails, I can't pretend to know. There's so much mm-hmm. more to it, right? Just more questions. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's always more questions. But I love it. I have not been bored like a single day since I started looking into this. And it, it you know, to be right. quite honest, it did start with realizing, well, wow you can see too far <laughs> to, mm-hmm. for it to be mm-hmm. curved like they say. And if you look at like pilots manuals, they were mm-hmm. always referred to the earth as being a plane, mm-hmm. right? That's why it's mm-hmm. called an airplane. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, so that's crazy. And then like, you look at the psyop with the Hindenburg um, exploding. Oh, the humanity, right? Like mm-hmm. they don't show the fire starting. They just show it falling from the sky. Mm-hmm. And so they use that to scar people into not wanting to be a part of this Zeppelin Mm-hmm. Movement. They're trying that, to move out the steampunk era, right? Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. and and roll in their control mm-hmm. system of big oil and and you know rob mm-hmm. everything. So, so I I think that when when we were put back into this time loop or bubble, mm-hmm. um, as as humans as we know us now, um, there was some time where like everyone was scrambling to grab up what they could. And then like to a certain extent that happened. And then you have the formation of things like the East India trading company. Um, the Hudson Brit- Bay company. Right. Right. The, the <laughs> whole British hierarchical mm-hmm. kind of structure that, that you exists. Set to this companies day. out over the new world. And then it's right. That yeah. But see companies. that all, that all started somewhere. And I, I'm of the mind that the, what we're told about pirates in the sea was only part of the story that, the pirating uh, was a big part of the air mm-hmm. that, that these ships, most of them were not ocean going vessels, but were airworthy vehicles that mm. instead of having a mast with a sail on it, possibly had a balloon that would carry mm-hmm. them through the air. That would make more sense to me. Um, just, you know, to my soul anyway, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I think that a lot of the piracy that we hear about these famous pirates, like, you know, um, I don't know, Black Bart and, you know, Blackbeard mm-hmm. and all these. Mm-hmm. I think that these are references that are, are have like minimalized their roles and mm-hmm. put them into like, oh, they're just an ocean going thing that sailed around in the ocean. Um, I personally, I feel that these pirates or this era of piratism um, was more than likely an airborne, very steampunk kind of time where, um, you know, we, we came and we were borrowing or inheriting a lot of this technology and these things that were here mm-hmm. um, and that were more often than not just massive in scale. Like the Titanic may have been a remnant of this previous time, Um if you see the scale of the interior of the Titanic, mm-hmm. it's just mind-blowingly huge, right? Mm-hmm. Even more massive than current day cruise ships and things. 
Um, so that's that's mind blowing in itself. Not to mention that the people that passed away in this maiden voyage um, were the people that were in direct conflict with the World Bank as we know it today. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so you know, that's just kind of like mind blowing to sink her and the people. Yeah, and there's a reason yeah. why. Um, uh, what's his name? J.P. Morgan didn't make it on that. on that boat you know he was here to implement the federal reserve immediately thereafter like the very following year so it's it's crazy and like once you look down one rabbit hole whether it's flat earth or tartaria like it just inherently like leads all these different directions it leads to the plasma moon theory and you know is mars an actual planet or another thought that i had about the stars and mars and like lights in the sky is that these are like when you look at a star and you see it twinkling, it has a very cymatic kind of nature to it. The same way mm-hmm. if you put water onto a speaker, shine mm-hmm. light on mm-hmm. it and and play a note, it'll yeah, have a pattern. You, when you like zoom into a star, it will tend to make like a wobbly patterned, Like a ripply. Like yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not round at all. Um, now the planets are a little different, which is why I think maybe these might be cloaked Vimana. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's crazy to say this stuff out loud. Um, but like, I really mean it. Like there's so mm-hmm. much more to this than we're told. And, um, you know, after looking at the demonization of Mercury, but also that Mercury is referred to as the messenger mm-hmm. um, and things like this, I, I often wonder if the stars themselves aren't keys, vibratory keys to a different land or to a different place or time like a portal space. or something. Right. Or like it's showing us the frequency that Oh, if we had if we had the technology or something we would tune into this star's frequency and then somehow we could create a gate to that place um i don't know what that looks like or you mm-hmm. know what i mean how that would a- actually work maybe it has something very similar to do with things like cern um and you know maybe it'll take a massive amount of power to open like these stargates mm-hmm. but um i do i think that there maybe is something to that to um, these being like frequency keys to these other other realms and other lands. and But through these portals that we see as stars, um, they on the other side are able to view us as well. So that's what so, they were saying in that article from Mars. They're like, yeah, they probably can zoom right in on us and they can see what I'm um, just like, what a trippy thing to say in the 1800s. <laughs> Yeah, they were so open-minded back then. And yeah. it's, it's because they weren't snuffed out so bad as we are now, you know? Mm. Um, but it's it's so amazing to to see, you know, folks like yourself, like picking up the reins and, and going full bore into all of this madness. Because like the more of us get into this and try to figure out, ultimately the closer we'll be. And like this this awakening that I'm fortunate enough to be a part of and see happen is is a beautiful thing and i think it's like i think it's our next big step in the right direction um part of it is like i hate to say it but you got to ignore mass media mm-hmm. you've, you've got to just like for me it was all right stop listening to public radio and all their fear mongering because mm-hmm. for a while there i really like to listen to what the headlines are like what mm-hmm. is the news being spewed at the world um but then like i noticed that it it starts to get a hold of me like i start then giving too much of my time and my energy to thinking about mm-hmm. 
the the quote unquote war or the freedom convoy or this and that. While I appreciate the good hearted folks that are in all of these situations, mm-hmm. um, the way that our attention is being pulled and manipulated into things like the scamdemic and so on, like mm-hmm. uh, it, it distracts me from having these very interesting thought processes and very mm-hmm. like very deep um and very like important to my personal truth kind of experiences mm-hmm. um this is distracting from the real work of like collective remembering and yes. healing our inner selves like yeah so anything i find that like pulls me away from that rather than into it i can see that is like part of the the fake veil sort of, you know what I mean? Like if it's pulling me to distract me from self inner work and like um, connecting all the mysteries of the collective, then yeah, that's my way. I kind of discern what's real and what's not spot on. Or, or if it starts to, if something makes you feel like a hesitancy or, Mm -hmm. or like, um, like that little voice that says something doesn't seem right always listen to that it's so informative yeah Yeah, i i get one pretty often that's it's uh there's more to it than meets the eye i get that Mm. one a lot um and just about everything that i look into there's that small voice that says there's more to it than this Mm -hmm. keep looking keep looking like don't ever Mm -hmm. stop exploring never stop looking (laughs) and don't don't disregard things just because they either don't fit with your current understanding or because they're, they're too out there or, or because they're too simple. Right. Um, sometimes some, some key truths are in the simplest, like kind of places and things. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, like for example, dinosaurs, like we know there's giant lizards. They've told us that. Mm -hmm. So, so maybe that, that piece of truth we can build on. Um, some people, when you like just say to people, I know that or I think maybe there was just giant lizards. They think you're crazy, but like, isn't that what a fucking dinosaur is? (laughs) Right. Right. Or they think it's even crazier when you say that you think that they were dragons, you know, and, and that these things were, were real. Um, Why couldn't they be? (laughs) Yeah. And and I mean, look at all the stories handed down about dragons, but nothing about dinosaurs until like when, like, when was it like, 1830 or something yeah part of that smithsonian movement yeah Yeah, absolutely so much about dragons before that nothing about dinosaurs exactly yes and uh you know there are some folks that that are of the mind that dragons are uh not just material like beings to some extent but they're Mm -hmm. also ethereal and and that perhaps um like um like there's a reference to a great a great uh, Leviathan in uh, in folklore from the Middle East, from Sumerian folklore, mm-hmm. that that this Leviathan was slain by these demigods, and they created the world as we know it out of the remains of this great dragon. And mm-hmm. what's what's interesting about that is if you look at Michelle Gibson's work, she talks about the um, Kundalini dragons of the world that run through these ley lines and things. Mm -hmm. One is, one is the feathered serpent and the Mm -hmm. other is the rainbow serpent. Mm -hmm. And they weave very similarly to the way a DNA strand weaves in and out Mm -hmm. of each other all around the world. Right. In a, in Mm -hmm. a circle. And Mm -hmm. 
along these these ley lines is where these temples and these different structures, the pyramids being one of them, mm-hmm. um, places like like Chichen Itza and um, all these other places. Um, Salt Lake City, Utah is like right along there. Even you know, just seemingly these, boring cities, you right, think, right, yeah, they look just like nothing to stuff. us, yeah. but they lay on top of these great serpents of, of the mm. world, these Kundalini kind of lines. If you've ever looked into the Gaia channel and mm. seen, um, there's a guy by the name of Matthias De Stefano who uh is going, he's gone around the world and and has supposedly opened up some of these portals in all of these places. Um, basically asking, I don't know, the heavens or mm-hmm. other otherworldly entities to, you know, allow love and hope to flow into this world once more, because it has been denied by the destruction of these, these old structures. Um, mm-hmm. So that's mind blowing in itself. And there's so much uh, to mm-hmm. draw from. It really does become a, a point of like discernment. Mm-hmm. And how does that apply to like the current topic at hand? Um, it's oftentimes so overwhelming um, mm-hmm. to just even think into one of these areas, you know, whether it be Mars or uh, mud flood or I mean, anything, it, it can be so daunting and overwhelming that I think it's super important that just conversations like the one we're having now happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my pieces I share with you, um, you will, uh, in a, you know, inevitably come to other conclusions about other things mm-hmm. that, that I'm stoked to, to find out about because we all have that different perspective, right? Like from mm-hmm. where we're sitting, things look slightly different than, than where another person sits. So, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's super important to not take any one thing and run too hard with it. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. like um, for a while I was pretty black pilled about like, well, shit, if we're on the flat earth and everything's alive and then we're fucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pardon my language, right? but, yeah, but we're, you know what I mean? We're, we're doomed. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. they've implemented it this far. How are we I ever going to see out like of it? important stage of awakening to like have a doom period (laughs) (laughs) it's like sort of like when you're healing you're doing your shadow work and you have those like dark periods but it comes with like such a revolution of everything after and like there's so much to build on after once you come through it but yeah we could probably go on for like hours and hours and hours and hours oh yeah no worries we'll, maybe we'll we get together like, another time yeah, but i, I do i'm so stoked to to have been on and have this conversation with you we thank you so much like uh just take some time away and then come back after we have some new theories and bring it together again for, i feel for like for sure just yeah we, we opened well up right a now. lot of cans of worms yeah. for folks <laughs> and oh, if this convinces one person to just look into any of this, then Question like my job's done. That's slightly. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Spot mm. on. <laughs> so do you want to tell people where they can find you and stuff? Absolutely. So that, yeah. Um, yeah. My, my name's Randy. I'm of Red Thread Podcast. Uh, you can find that in most podcast markets or what have you mm-hmm. um are you not on, on apple now not on apple currently uh i'll get You'll there get at some there. point yeah, yeah some the wizards the wizards yeah. over at apple told me i needed an apple computer to be a part of oh. the club so I, yeah i took a little time it took me a little time to get in that club but yeah well yeah and i'm not i'm not um i'm not using like i don't use anchor so i don't have that oh, direct yeah. link to do that oh to, um, yeah, i'm anchor on the fence about that. that um yeah, I kind of like Spotify the system I have, you, right? <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> I, I, I don't know, but but I just 
you know, I still like to, if I can fight the man a little bit, I guess, mm, yeah. I don't know. It's a futile yeah. effort, but, but, um, so, so we I'm on, our battles yeah, we're... you can find my site. Um, you can find my site over at Podbean, uh, red thread mm-hmm. podcast. Um, I have an odyssey. It's real small. I haven't really put too much video and stuff on that yet. I'll be working on that soon. Mm-hmm. It's also at red thread podcast. And if anybody ever wants to reach out to me, um, I'm open for suggestions, um, perspectives, always looking to speak with with anybody and everybody to kind of gain insight on what another's perspective might be so if you have a perspective you'd like to share uh, whether you'd like to come on or just you know email me something you'd like me to to go over in an episode that's awesome you can find uh you can send me an email it's uh r-a-n-d-o-m-f-r-a-c-t-s at gmail.com so shoot me an email. We'll uh, get in contact. Um, uh, again, perspective is super, super important to me. And everybody that every new person I speak with, um, regardless of what they're bringing to the table, I leave knowing more about myself. So mm-hmm. that's like super important and awesome. And thank you again so much for having me on and reaching out to me. It's It's been an amazing conversation and a yeah. wonderful evening. Well, I'm like so thankful you came on. I had such a great time tonight. It's like <laughs> chatting about all this stuff. Like it's like all the my weirdest thoughts, and someone is kind of like um, validating them for me. So yeah, isn't really that nice. an amazing yeah. feeling when you get yeah. that that out outward validation? Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. And I'm glad to have been a part of it. Thank and you so much. Yeah, we'll definitely have you back, Randy. Thanks for being on. Yeah, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Have a good night. You too. Um, well, I'll just keep you on here for a sec, but yeah, if you wanted sure. to send me all your links and then I'll just put them in the show notes, like your email and your, uh, I have your Instagram, but, or anything else you want for people to find you or whatever. For sure. Sounds good. All right. And Hey, thanks for tuning into another episode of red thread podcast. And I definitely hope you go over and take a look at strange neighborhood podcast. Um, you can find her on Instagram at strange underscore neighborhood underscore podcast. And, um, yeah, so go take a look. You know, there's always new people coming out. I'm stoked to have her in the community. And, um, man, you guys are going to love her work as well. So all that being said, uh, send me an email if you'd like to talk. uh, Or if you just want to convey really anything at all, go ahead and drop me a line at randomfracts at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram also at randomfracts. So thank you, everybody, again for tuning in. And have a wonderful day. Thank you.